Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. All right. Hey, good morning again. It's good to see everybody this morning. I appreciate what Pastor Ernie said and reminded us of today. It is uh, something special about being together in the house of the Lord, isn't it? And for you who are uh, not able to join us here physically, we're so glad you're taking the time to uh, just check in and watch, see what the Lord might have for you. And I uh, pray that you'll be able to put everything aside and uh, just focus on what God might have for you today. <clears throat> I, don't, uh, I don't know what your week was like this week, but uh, how many of you are noticing maybe even more than usual, how some people are getting like really upset and quick. I mean, people's fuses are short right now. And, uh, you know, I thought about that this week and um, my, my niece, uh, Callie, she's 16. She's 16 yet? In March, she'll be 16, 15 and a half. So, She's driving for the first time, and uh, she was telling Lori and I, and she goes, yeah, she goes, I was out driving, and I was all excited, and she goes, and for the first time ever, the guy beside me got really upset, and he raised his hand, and it wasn't a salute. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, it's a little rough when you first learn how to drive for that to happen. And then um, one, of, one of our family members here from the church family, a good friend of ours, we were talking with her this past week, and uh, she said that she was at a restaurant, she sat down with some friend, a friend, and they were just catching up. She's sitting in the back of this restaurant, and she had a hat on that, it, it's a political hat, I guess you could say, you know, it represents something, and uh, it was, it's pretty mild. Someone across the restaurant at the doorway, saw her hat and began to cuss and call her names and yell at her in front of the whole restaurant. And uh, she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> made, her, made everybody in the whole restaurant a little uncomfortable. Those things happen. It seems like they're happening more than usual lately. And uh, you know, I started thinking about that, and I'm like, she judged our friend from a simple hat she had on. And she made assumptions, and she said all kinds of crazy things. And if we're honest, it's, it's super easy for us to uh, pass judgments on others. Subconsciously, I think we do it all the time without even really thinking about it. Sometimes it might be just from what they're wearing. It might be the way they look, the way they talked, where they're from. Those things happen, and we do it um, sometimes subconsciously, sometimes in a gossipy or quiet way. And sometimes we even do it in an aggressive way, um, like hopefully not as aggressive as what that lady did in the restaurant. If you did, please come up here for prayer after the service. <laughs> I need to talk to you a little bit further. All right, you don't have to turn there, but Tom, if you'd put up uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 for us here today. This is, this is all there is to this verse. 
Judge not that you be not judged. It's probably one of the more quoted verses that you hear in society. And it's a verse that not only do Christians quote, but non-believers also say it all the time. Very, very popular verse. All right, let's, uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this special time. Today is the Sabbath day. It's the first day of the week. We come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this time that you've set apart for us to set our focus on you, to learn what you might have for us from your word. And Lord, we uh, pray that you will uh, inhabit everything that is said and done, that your Holy Spirit will have its way in our lives today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read a little bit um, from Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 24 here. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Another word for tares, weeds. Um, if you look up some of the original Greek words, it even talks about a false wheat. But basically, think of it as a weed. Why don't we usually use the word tares too often? But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Do you, do you want us to go and pull those weeds out of the wheat field? He said to them, he said, do not, but he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, while you gather up the weeds, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and at the time of harvest. I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Tom, if you would put a, a picture up there. <clears throat> and we're we're going to dig into this a little bit um, like a farmer, and we're going to kind of till up the soil a little bit and try to see what God has for us from this. But this is a picture of a, a field where a wheat crop is growing and you can see the um, weeds have grown up all through it. So that's kind of what I picture this scene being when Jesus is telling this story. And it's not like a regular garden. If you have a garden, if you're a farmer, if you've done any kind of uh, planning, you know that you have to pull weeds out. But usually... You've got your crop and you've got a few weeds that grow. But this was different. The weeds were thrown in with everything. So they intertwined and they came up all together. Let's look ahead. 
Before we actually get to uh, verse 36, and even though, Tom, you don't have this, let me just read uh, two verses before that. So if you have your Bibles, verse 34, it says, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to him, speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So just a quick side note. Jesus always taught in stories. He always taught in a parable and a story. And the part that I found interesting when I was reading this is he's talking to a multitude. And if you kind of picture this, he had just got through several stories, several parables, and the waters were there. And he had the disciples push a boat out, and the boat went out to the water, and I picture it nice, calm, clear water, a little warmer day than today, and the echoing of the water allowed him to speak to a large crowd of people, and they could all hear him. So Jesus obviously had a very major purpose with this story and the many that were before it. All right, so I say that, so he's talking in a story. And he just shared it with all these people that were gathered around. And this was a diverse group of people. There were people that were believers. There were people that were just curious. There were people that were searching. And there were people in that crowd that were actually looking for a way to probably trip up the master. They were against him. They were not on his side. So they all move away. And then we pick up at verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. When you think like if Jesus was teaching, the greatest teacher ever, and he's talking to everybody, But the message wasn't to be completely revealed to everybody at that time. Back up to the verse, and we don't have to put it up there because it's not there, but it says, from the Old Testament, it says, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the earth. Do you know the privilege we have sometimes today that we often take for granted? There are so many truths and things revealed in God's word today that weren't back then. They were still a secret. They weren't clear. So the disciples, who should know Jesus the best and and know him well, they said, now that they're in the house and it's a more intimate setting, and they're sitting and and was, hey, can you explain what that meant? What did that mean? So Jesus talks about the parables. He answered them and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. And we know the son of man is what Jesus often referred to himself. Son of God, born in the flesh, son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age, and the reapers are the angels. 
Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if we bounce back and forth and we look back at the parable, and Jesus explains to us that this story is about the world. It's about the world we live in. And the good seeds are the children of God. And at night, while people were unaware, and the workers didn't know, it's when the devil sneaks in and he sows the seeds of evil. Sometimes people will say, well, how, how did the Lord put all these evil things in the world? God didn't put the evil in the world, the devil did. Man failed and fell in sin and it opened up the door for the devil to sow seeds of evil. So those seeds are being sown. And the thing, and if you think back about that picture, when this story took place and as the crop began to grow and as those wheat seeds began to sprout from the earth, here's the part that's the miracle. We, you can be a great gardener. You can be an awesome farmer. But the life of that plant, it's not in your hands, is it? God makes all things to grow. He creates life just like he does in us. So as these seeds begin to grow and as the workers begin to look at the crop, you can't really tell the difference at first. You can't really tell which ones are called and are the children of God. You can't tell the ones that are evil because it takes a while for them to mature and grow up and produce fruit. So you can't tell. So at that time, even their skilled labor. And so one of the main points that I want you to get from today is they then said, well, should we go out there, the part that we're used to, and should we pull the weeds out? Should we pull those out? And the master said, and again, this is Jesus talking, you can't do that. Because if you go and tear that weed when it's so intertwined with the other, you're going to pull some of the weed away and you're going to cast it aside. And it's going to be lost. <clears throat> when we think about that, I want you to think about judging others. And we'll come back to that point. So when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares appeared and the servants of the owner came and said, Sir, do you, did you not sow the good seed? And, and God said, I did. The enemy has done this. And we skip forward to um, verse 30. It says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers. And then when Jesus explains the parallel, par parable to the disciples, the reapers are his angels. Now, Lori might call me an angel sometime. <laughs> Said no one ever. But an angel has a higher calling. An angel is the one that's actually going to do the reaping or the judgment. 
not me, not you. Today, there are people that used to go to church who don't go anymore because someone cast judgment on them. And they cast that judgment on them in such a condemning way that they don't even want to be here anymore. They don't want to come to church anymore. And so, Jesus' point was, don't pull the weeds. Don't cast that judgment. Don't make that choice because you don't know what I know. And if you do, if you try to do that, and if we try to judge people, sometimes we're going to pull out a good seed and they're going to become a castaway in this life because their spirit's been crushed and they've lost their foundation in the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes that good seed, that weed, it's just that wheat, wheat, wheat flour is just about ready to produce some fruit, but it's barely holding on. It got slapped around by life. It got rained on. It had a quick frost come in. And it's weak. And God said, don't you dare go and judge them. Because if you do it now, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. <clears throat> there are a lot of things that we can take from this passage. We could say, is this parable about judgment? God's judgment? Yes. Is it about hell? Fire? It is. But if we look at the nature of God, we look at the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's mercy. It's compassion. And God puts us in our place and says, it's not for you to judge. You know, I was thinking of another example. And uh, <clears throat> Lori and I were attending City Church and another church at this time. So we weren't here every Sunday. And the brother told me this story long after this happened, months and months after it happened. And he said, I came to City Church all hungover. I was a mess. Because I was hungover. And uh, do you know the beautiful thing about it is in that state, being on the outside, he came into the fellowship and nobody judged him. If they judged him at that point and said, you're drunk, get out of here. What are you doing in the house of the Lord? House of the Lord is made for the drunks, the sinners, the lost, the hurting. We're really good about it here at City Church, and I'm proud of you guys. You don't judge anybody by what they walk in here wearing. If you smelled alcohol on their breath, you wouldn't scurry away and set farther away from them. I know a couple here that just a few weeks ago, they said, hey, pray for us. A brother showed up on our doorstep. He was drunk. He's hurting and he's lost. We brought him into our house. He spent the night with us. 
and we're bringing him to church tomorrow. And they did. They brought him to church. Did they judge him when he showed up on their doorstep? No, they didn't. I think that's one of the biggest things I want you to get from this passage. <clears throat> I'm going to share a story. I'm going to take you guys back to, uh, to high school, okay? I was thinner. <laughs> I feel like I was taller, but I don't think I was. <clears throat> so in high school, there was a family that was very involved in our high school, and uh, five daughters. I went to school with three of them. So one was two years ahead of me, one was a year behind me, and then I think another one was two years behind me. We were all friends, small school. Their house was one of the houses that was just the hangout place. It was the place where you would meet before you would go out. It was a place where we would catch up in a place in the summer where people sat out on the porch the whole time and hung out. A very very welcoming family. And, uh, and, and I loved them. They were <clears throat> some of my dearest friends. And we went to school together. We played sports together and uh, shared a lot of life together at their house. <clears throat> so my one friend, Patty, her old, one of her oldest sisters, her name was Lynn. And this would like I said, the family is so inviting. There's grass worn away because people are always there in their front yard. And you would walk over and you'd just be greeted with a great welcome. And everybody's so nice and friendly. And I love being with them. But when Lynn was around, kind of picture this. So um, Lynn might be on the porch there where Dottie's sitting. And I'd walk up the sidewalk and i go, hi, Lynn, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she wouldn't even look at me. Sometimes she'd walk away. Sometimes I feel like she might cuss under her breath, and I'm like, man. And here's the part about her three sisters that I went to school with. When I would always say, hi, Lynn, how you doing? And maybe every once in a while I might get, hi. But most of the time, she did not want to talk to me. She didn't want to talk to anybody. Her sisters were quick to defend her. And you know what they do? If they saw that transaction take place and I go, hey, Lynn, how you doing? And maybe she just walked right by me. They'd look at me and they'd quickly come and they go, that's just Lynn. That's just Lynn. And they'd smile. It wasn't like, yeah, that's my, that's my sister. I can't believe she does that. They, they, they just kind of, it was, it was really kind of a peaceful thing. They go, that's just Lynn. All three of them told me that several times. That's just Lynn. About... Two and a half years ago, Patty calls me and she heard that God had called me into the ministry. <clears throat> and she said, Ben, she goes, my sister Lynn passed away. She said, uh, would you come to the funeral? I said, Patty, of course I will. <clears throat> this is where it got difficult for me. She said, her daughter is taking a train from California. She's going to be coming in here all the way. She goes, her daughter never had a good relationship with her. She says she felt like her mom abandoned her, felt like her mom didn't raise her, and she felt like she was all alone. And she's so hurt that 
I don't know how she's going to respond to all of this. <clears throat> so I'm faced with the funeral, and I realize that this adult daughter now is taking this journey on a train, and all she's doing is thinking about how bad a relationship was with her mom. And she's also hurting for the loss, but that relationship was so broken. And I remember I, I paused and I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm not adequately prepared to help these people. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't want to just go up there and do a cookie cutter funeral and just say some words and move on. I want it to mean something. I want to comfort them. But there's even more here. I need to help them. And I'm not the guy that should be doing this, Lord. I need your help. So before the funeral, Patty walks up to me and she says, uh, <clears throat> Andrea never had that relationship with her mom. She goes, but I did. She goes, I saw Lynn when I was younger, who was loving, who helped raise me and nurtured my life. But she never saw that. And I'm like, wow. So my funeral notes and some of the verses that I put together became about judging one another. And you're like, if someone in my family passes away and a pastor shows up and he wants to preach about judging, I'm going to be like, can we get another pastor? I had a family member move on and I need a little something other than that. <clears throat> I was very uncomfortable, but I felt that's what I was supposed to do. <clears throat> and God revealed something to me. And I shared it during that funeral service. And I looked at Andrea and I said, I know you never felt like you got to experience the love of a mother like a daughter wants to have. I know you feel that way. But your sister, Patty, she said that she did. And I said, it paused and it made me think. <clears throat> when Lynn was a young woman, she had a boyfriend or an estranged boyfriend, and I'm sorry, I don't know the part, but a violent and a terrible act happened in Lynn's life. He shot her in the head. And I kind of forgot about it. And you're like, how do you forget about something like that? I was a teenager. I was self-absorbed with my own life. I had moved on. I didn't think of what that really meant in that person's life, because when I saw Lynn later, I just saw somebody who was a little grouchy. I saw somebody who was unhappy. And I said, <clears throat> we never know what someone else has gone through. We never know what shoes they've walked in, what things they've faced in their life. Does that excuse what Lynn did as a mom? No, it doesn't. But does it give reason? does. I don't know. Something could have happened chemically from that. We know something physically happened. We know something emotionally happened. 
And the Lynn that grew up that was nurturing and loving and caring to her sisters and her family couldn't do it for her own children. She could barely take care of herself. And she tried to suppress life with some of the things the world has to offer. And that just made her life get darker and darker and darker. The beautiful thing is, Lynn later in life, her health started to get a little rough. Very similar to what the story Pastor Ernie shared with us here this morning. She began to go to church with her son. And she went to church and Lynn either accepted the Lord as her savior or she rededicated herself from a time when she was saved as a younger person. I don't know, but I know her life completely changed. <clears throat> so similar to what Pastor Ernie shared, her health became so bad and she was so sick and she was kind of at home and she asked the pastor, can you come to my house and baptize me in my tub because I can't get out of the house anymore. And Lynn, she not only found the Lord, she was baptized and she was a life that was changed. <clears throat> if her son, if the pastor, if the church would have continued to put judgments on her, would she have found that moment? Would she have been redeemed? Probably not. And I reminded everyone, don't judge. You never know where someone's life has taken them. And it's not our place. Instead, replace judgment with compassion. Replace judgment with love. <clears throat> you know, another thing about God's mercy as we look at this parable, <clears throat> it says in verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, I will say to the angels, first gather together the tares, the weeds, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Do you know another thing? God's mercy and his grace is so abundant. Not only did he not want them to take the weeds and pull them from the field, not only did he not want them to cast judgment on those that are lost, he wanted them to have a moment just like Reverend Ernie had where someone at the very end said, I can't. How could God ever forgive me? It's too late. It's never too late for the God to redeem someone if they simply turn to him. And that's another reason why it's not our place to judge. You know, we can see things on the outside, but only God can see the heart. He's the only one that sees the intents of the heart. <clears throat> this message is for me too. I'm quick to pass judgment sometimes. Somebody says something or someone continues in a sin and a folly and they just keep going over and over to it. And I'm like, they're never going to get out of that. <laughs> they're not. And, and you feel that way. Aren't you glad God's not like that? He's mercy. He's long-suffering. 
And he doesn't want that to happen until the very, very end because there's always a chance that they would be redeemed and that they'd get to come into the barn of the master and enter heaven in all of its glory. Let's, uh, let's have the praise team come up and we'll uh, close in a song here this morning. <clears throat> Church, it's something that impacts all of us. It's easy to judge people. And, and I want to make something clear too. There, there's a time and a place where it's a responsibility as a believer sometimes to call sin, sin. That's okay. You know, today, people are so divided even politically. We're divided on health issues that... Families, people will get just angrily mad at each other. And whatever is going on in someone's life that you think you might want to judge them for, or even if we point out a sin, just always remember, their life is the most precious aspect of that. The only reason that we had mentioned a sin is because we want them to know there's a better way. That's the reason. Dear young brother in Christ, He's struggling with something, <clears throat> and he came to me, and he, he kind of talked about it. He cried. He's not ready to totally let go of it yet. And he said, where are you with that? Looking at me, and I said, do you know where I'm at with that? <clears throat> I love you. I love you. To me, according to God's word, it's wrong. But most importantly, I love you. That's how we need to approach the Lord around us. Lynn would have never found her way back home. She'd have never found her way to the Lord if people continued to cast judgment on her. Someone had to lead with compassion. Church, I, I implore you you're going to just have to say, Lord, help me to love this person in the right way. And approach them with the love of Christ, the sincere love, looking to know that some point in eternity, they're going to have to face the angels and their future for eternity be decided. And love is what will redeem them, not judgments on their sin. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. Lord, I'm thankful that you've revealed so many things to us that remain hidden for so long. And Lord, today we know that ultimately you are the judge. And as being your hands and your feet, being representatives of the light of Jesus, that we are to love and we're to be compassionate. Help us all to lead with love. And then, God, may you, through that act of love, bring forth a harvest that has eternal purposes. Father, I pray for those here today. I pray for those who are watching, who have been hurt by someone casting judgment on them. I pray that you'll heal them, 
pray that you would remind them today that, Lord, it was another broken human being who cast that judgment, a person full of sin, a person full of mistakes, a person that needed redeemed by the Lord themselves, who had no right to condemn them. Heal them from that, Lord. If someone here today, if someone's watching and they haven't been back within the fellowship of the church, the local church, bring them back within the church and let them feel free from that. I pray that you heal them. Lord, we love you. We pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they might find you so that when their reckoning comes, that they will be covered in your blood, that they might live in heaven forever. We pray these things. We ask in Jesus' name. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his Son to die on the cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.